Trying Again tells a story of miscarriage. It's a personal podcast of passion as I explore this usually silent world and decide whether I want to try again after multiple miscarriages. I'm Rachel Smith. If you're listening to this without listening to episodes one and two, it's maybe best to go back and listen to them first, or some of this might not make any sense. And thank you if you're still with me on this journey. This is episode three. The conversations in this episode will be frank. And they may be difficult, but they are needed. The best you can do is have more good months, more good months where you've got a really good lining and a really good embryo. In this episode, I will be sharing what happened next, and I will talk a bit about the research going on at the Thomas Miscarriage Research Centre. A bit about the centre. It's the biggest of its kind in Europe, sharing research facilities in partnership with the University of Birmingham, the University of Warwick and Imperial College London. The three sites run specialist clinics, enabling women to access treatment and support and participate in Tommy's research studies. Lee and I visited Tommy's in Coventry University Hospital on referral from my doctor for specialist treatment from Professor Quemby, Professor Brosens and their team. After we lost baby number four, we booked in for NK cell testing. By taking a biopsy, we will induce a repair response, which is thought to make the lining of the womb more receptive in cycles come. We're going to use the sample for this natural cell testing. This is Professor Brosens talking me through the paperwork before going for the procedure. If the surplus tissue can be used for research, yeah. good, because I was about to say you can't say no. <laughs> <laughs> So if you don't mind initialing this box, this enables us to do the research. Picture it, if you will. There's a small but comfortable doctor's room with a bed and a curtain that's been pulled around. The nursing staff helped me into bed and talked me through using the gas and air supply before measuring my womb lining so they can take a biopsy of it for testing. Obviously, gas and air is not something I'm used to using, but I do have a paddy licence for scuba diving at a basic level. And I've had years of practising meditation, so I figure all I need to do is focus on my breathing. And that's what you'll hear. Lee's in the room with me. So, what you do, pop it between your teeth, close your mouth around, and then deep breath. I'm concentrating on making the whistle sound. The results from this test will show whether I have increased levels of natural killer cells, or NK cells. If you Google NK cells, you'll read that these cells are part of the immune system that humans are born with and can destroy tumours and infected cells. There's a blog post written in 2017 on the Tommy's website that explains the testing of these cells. It says, due perhaps to their name, many women fear that these cells are attacking and killing their embryo. The article goes on to say, natural killer cells are actually special immune cells which clear out aging cells in the womb lining. The article goes more into detail, explaining research is indicating that a balance between natural killer cells and aging cells in the womb could actually be to blame for miscarriages. Lee and I weren't sure whether this was the case for us, but if there was a slight chance it may be, and if a biopsy of my womb lining helps me find an answer, then we thought this was a wise move to make. There we are. All done. Now pop it out, but there will be no good to the world when you have to go. Well done, you did very well. 
Let me introduce you now to Professor Quemby, who can explain more about the research taking place in Coventry and with the Tommy's Miscarriage Research Centre. I joined the professor online. She sat in her living room, talking to me in my newly formed duvet den. How are you well? Yeah, fine, thank you. Lovely. I'm not even going to begin to try and explain the professor's full title. I'll let her do the honours. So it's uh, Professor Siobhan Quemby. So I'm Professor of Obstetrics at at University of Warwick and I'm also an honorary consultant at University Hospitals Coventry and Warwickshire NHS Trust. Okay. And what does that mean? So that that means I I spend half my time doing research and half my time doing patients. but so most of my research is on recurrent miscarriage and most of my time with patients is spent with recurrent miscarriage patients. What made you want to do this? Because I've read on the Tommy's website you've been studying this, studying recurrent miscarriage and miscarriage for over 20 years. What started it all for you? So basically, when you're a junior doctor, you do a, a research degree. So I did mine in recurrent miscarriage because at the time of being a junior doctor, I felt that a lot of people were um, miscarrying and there was very little uh, medical research done in that area and very little uh, treatments that we could give the patients. So I wanted to do my degree in recurrent miscarriage and then everything else has followed from there. So it, it just came from university. It's almost like Facebook for, <laughs> for miscarriage. What's been a moment for you when you just think you're really pleased about the progression you've made with things? There's sort of two things on a sort of individual basis. Um, it's obviously fantastic when people who've had a lot of miscarriages have babies. So there are some people who've unfortunately had an awful lot of miscarriages under my care who we've been through for every single miscarriage. And then when they finally make it, it's fantastic. So on a personal level, we actually have a lot of really good moments um, when you see their face and their husband's face and the, and the, uh, or their partner's face and the face of their grandparents. It's really, really fantastic. On a research level, um, the, <laughs> the research is, is proven to be really, really challenging and it's really actually very, very difficult to get really good evidence that we've got a really good new cure and a new treatment. Um, and it's more been more of a sort of chipping away process. So each year we find out a little bit more and it's like putting together this massive jigsaw puzzle. What hasn't happened that we haven't had this like major breakthrough that says, wow, we've got a fantastic new cure. And I've, you know, beginning to realize that's not going to happen. What is going to happen is we're going to make a little bit of progress and make a little bit of difference each year. So, for example, of this, I was involved very closely with uh, Professor Kumrasamy from Birmingham, who's also the, who's actually the head of the Thomas Research Unit. And we've done trials of progesterone to try and find out whether progesterone prevents miscarriage. And this has been going on for nearly 10 years because we did one trial. And then we did another trial, and it wasn't until we put the data from the two trials together that we actually realised progesterone does prevent miscarriage. But it involved recruiting literally thousands of women and a huge amount of work asking lots of people to be randomised into the trials. And then it doesn't stop every miscarriage. It just improves your chance a bit. And I think I've realised over the years that is the best you're ever going to do with a new treatment. You're going to improve people's chances of having a baby but we're not going to make some massive big change. We've just got to have more and more options to improve people's chances bit by bit and, and be much more, I think that's the way it's going to go now. I had read 
in the past it was used as a placebo and I was all a bit confused but then uh, so that's really good from my point of view <laughs> selfishly um because I'm gonna have to talk to my GP at some point and, and discuss maybe having that if I decide to try again because I've delayed it um for all sorts of reasons but um now it's coronavirus but um but yeah I delayed it oh you're talking <laughs> <laughs> um, not supposed to go up the stairs sorry I digress <laughs> the um, trials that I've had I wanted to just have a chat about I don't really understand that much about the science that went on behind them to be fair when we first came to see you had my general bloods taken and yeah. then we had some bloods taken for sticky blood and um, I had a phone call conversation with you and both of those came back okay and then I came in to have NK cell testing and that was the one I was kind of that was a little bit more involved than taking blood and um, I'd be really interested to know what you were testing for with them. The problem with recurrent miscarriages the tradition is to take blood tests and at the best they show things that are associated with miscarriage they don't really get to the bottom of why people actually miscarry. Whereas the actual reason that people miscarry is much more commonly going to be a problem in the lining of the womb. So we are convinced of that. The difficulty is, is developing a test of the lining of the womb that tells us which, who would benefit from a treatment. Um, and and uh, that's what I've been working on for years and years. And so the um, NK test I worked on for, for a lot of years. And it is useful because it tells us all sorts of things about the lining of the womb. And we now, the more we research, the more we're sure that you do have to have the right balance of NK cells in the lining of the womb in order to have a successful pregnancy. So we have made that progress. The problem is that, well, the lining of the womb regenerates every month. So the lining of your womb one month might be different the next month, which is not really very convenient because if we test the lining of the womb one month, then it may be different the month they get pregnant in. Um, and so that... So the only, our way around that is to do the test twice to try and get an idea of how much people's lining, how much variation there is in the lining of the womb. So we found that some people's is very similar and some people's varies a lot. Um, and so we are desperately trying to get a, a really, really good test. But it turns out that the difficulty is it's then a balance. So you need, like, NK cells aren't all bad. You need you need some NKs to help implantation, but you don't want too many or, or, in fact, too few. So it's trying to detect whether people's balance is roughly right. And then we've now realized it's actually a balance between the NK cells and these um, um, stem cells or rapidly growing cells um, and these other cells called senescence. So it's a balance of three different kinds of cells. So we're working on a test that would maybe be better that, that tells you about the three different kinds of cells and their balance. But even then, we've got a lot of hurdles to overcome because of this business of the lining of the womb changing every month. So it is a very, very challenging area. Um, and that is why we don't have this um, magic. Um, unfortunately, we don't have this massive easy cure. But we do know that progesterone pushes everybody's lining in, in the right direction and makes everyone's lining better. So, so, so that's one thing we've got. We do know that if you have very high levels of NK cells, we can reduce them with steroids. So we've got we've got that in our army um, and then um, uh, we, ha we, we are hoping to work on a treatment for people who've got low stem cells as well so I think it, the future is going to be trying to be much more subtle and understanding this balance and then giving people the right uh, target for the right balance you see 
But what I want to do is try and increase people's chances and try and get people more good months. So I've realized the best you can do is have more good months and more good months where you've got a really good lining and a really good embryo. Um, and, and that's the game we're trying to play, which is which is hard. It feels like nature's just going to keep slapping you with things. Yeah, and the big difficulty is that there is a lot of abnormal embryos in human reproduction. So you can get the patient perfect, but then that month it's an abnormal embryo. <laughs> so it's, it's they're all increasing people's chances. And so we have to deal with a lot of emotions and how to deal with that, because that's quite difficult to deal with. The uncertainty, because no, we never know what's going to happen next. And, and trying to make sure we've done everything we can to maximise the chance there. And that's very hard. Yeah, it's a real life soap opera, isn't it? I know if nothing else, we can get a form of answer, even though I actually haven't had anything that is wrong, which is actually maybe easier to have something wrong because then I can fix it or I can do something. So I'm just, I'm just I'm kind of just hopeful and thinking if I follow the advice, it might help, but it might it isn't going to be the magic pill that will give me my baby. So. <laughs> I think I'm a I bit think, more realistic I think that's, I think that's really important. I think we need to change our, our language to people because I think it's wrong to give people false hopes because even if you do find something in the blood tests and you give them the treatment, if in that pregnancy it was an abnormal pregnancy, you know, it, then it's not going to work. People want to come to us and they say, I want this definite cause and I want you to uh, cure it. But it isn't like that in miscarriage at all. It's that so it's really being very clear about what our job is, is to support people because some of them are going to be okay. And also to be very, very realistic with them. And the, the more I've done the job, the more I realize it's really important to be really, really realistic and honest with people. And I spend a huge amount of time in clinic trying to explain to people that if you've had lots of miscarriages before, the hard truth is you have got an increased risk of miscarrying again, but we can do everything we can to support you and everything we can to increase your chances and somehow trying to get people to keep going. And it's hard. It's really hard to get people to keep going. And some people's relationships split up and it's because the stress between them. So we all, we spend a lot of time trying to talk to the husbands as well or the partner as well and make sure they're well, they're, they're part of the team and they both cope. Uh, and we've been doing some uh, studies on that, like anxiety and depression in patients. And it, the results were quite shocking. Like some, it was even when we got them to fill in, in questionnaires it was even more obvious than it is in clinic sometimes the woman's dealing it very well and the husband's just gone to bits mm. and sometimes it's the other way well the husband's dealing with it well and the woman's gone to bits and um it's important that you support both people because in those sort of things sometimes the husband walks off or the partner walks off because he can't take anymore so when you support people we've got to remember we've got to support them as a couple because they've both got to go through this and try and get them trying to it's manage people's expectations and say well, you know you can you know i do i'm very confident you'll get there in the end but it's hard you know mm -hmm. um, and, and prepare people for that otherwise you know if they do miscarry again it's really really tough so so we we, we work really really hard as a team to prepare people and make sure we're there for them and and, and listen which is basically so it's okay. quite a it's quite a complicated it's quite an emotional emotional thing mm. And 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 I, after all my dreams, I I've, I've I accept now that I am not going to have something that stops all miscarriages. It's not going to happen. So, but we can each year make it better for people. So I want people to miscarry less, you know, and that and that and that's the real world. Looking back to your student self, would you have gone on the journey? Would you now knowing now 
what you know about it all, would you have would you have picked something else for your dissertation? Please say no, but would you want? <laughs> well, well, no, I, <laughs> I, I, I love the job, but I, I, I was I was hopelessly uh, hopelessly naive when I started. I, I, I honestly thought I'd be a lot further on now than I am, um, and, and I think with, with age you get realism <laughs> much more realistic now. Um, but I mean, I've, the patients that, that you deal with have been fantastic, and there's some really memorable patients that you really, really yeah, get get very fond of, and so that so all that bit's been fantastic, um, and we have made progress in the research. But it, you know, from my young self, it isn't what I hoped. <laughs> I, 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 I hoped, I, I, as 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 you do, as as we all want. I hope that I'd have this test and this magic treatment, and everything will be marvelous. But it, 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 all that happens is is that, in fact, the more research you do, the more you know. The more you realise how difficult it is, and um, and the, and the more um, circumspect you are about what you about what you say, um, and the more I've realised, I did realise that to start with, but but in a more profound way, how important it is to look after people during this journey, because um, one of the things we uh, that what one of my colleagues has done in London is is realised how much how much post traumatic stress people get after a miscarriage and how much mental health damage it's done. So the idea is that we do our best to support people to, to look after their mental health as well so that the process of miscarriage doesn't doesn't do unnecessary damage to them or their partner. Because of what you've seen and what you deal with daily, I've only had my experiences. I can't imagine having to have the conversations that your team have had with me with other people as a regular conversation. I can imagine that gets really, really draining. Yeah, and it is important that you're part of a team. So, so yeah, and you don't, do the, you don't work on your own so we we have a supportive team um and then nationally we have a thing called the um, association of early pregnancy units where we have an annual meeting and get sort of support because the people who do, who do this you, you do get very drained and uh, i think the thing we're most terrified of is getting compassion fatigue so that so that if you if you see too many people you 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 can feel your compassion disappearing and you don't feel human anymore so it's very important that you have those so it's very important that staff give each other support and so in the Tommy's team that's one of the big good things about Tommy's being part of a national center having lots of regular meetings with people who do this all the time and 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 you know and we we need a lot of interactions we need to talk, we talk a lot and <laughs> and laugh a lot as well <laughs> Where's Tommy's place in? Because um, it says it's the biggest in Europe. Where's its place in like miscarriage research in in Europe and and with places like North America and other places where there might be research happening? Oh well, we we're, so the Tommy's um, you know, are by far leading the world. So you know we're, we're definitely the the top place in the world now because it's such a powerful team between us and Birmingham and Imperial, um, and the research we're doing is so much further ahead than anybody else now. That, that that we're really really uh, 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 making huge huge difference. And are they coming to you for advice then? So we're working uh, mainly with sort of Euro- European countries and um, North America. Um, and then uh, Ari particularly is also doing doing some projects in Africa and uh, Pakistan in developing countries. So that's right. Yeah. So we we have got a, a global spread there to try and improve the care of people miscarrying everywhere. And what's the hope with that? Will the research come back into Tommy's? Well, it's interesting. Um, you know, when you do research in developing countries, the, the, the uh, learning goes both ways. So one of the things that, ha- that happened was traditionally when I started in this country, if you had surgical treatment of miscarriage, you always had general anaesthetic and did it with you when you were asleep. But in the developing world, they, did it, they had developed a te- technique where you could do it with people awake. 
Um, and now the surgical management uh, awake is now something that's been introduced into this country, which is really important now <laughs> since the COVID has been on because the access to surgical management under GA has disappeared. And now everybody has to have the, um, the, the one that, that we actually brought in from Africa, which is cheaper, quicker, and it's much better for the patients to have your surgical management with your awake, basically. How do you think your research will continue? Basically, gradually reopening all the research but it's, it's just to reopen it with social distancing in place, which is the challenge. The big thing I'm doing at the moment is uh, looking to see how many people have chronic inflammation in the lining of the womb. If they've got this chronic inflammation, we're looking to see if they've got uh, some difference in the thing called the microbiome in their vagina and their endometrium. So we, used, we now understand an awful more about bacteria than we used to. So we used to just think there was a few bacteria in your vagina and a few bacteria in your endometrium. But we now know there's actually literally hundreds of different bacteria and it's the balance of the different kinds of bacteria that affects whether or not you have miscarry or have a successful pregnancy. So we're trying to find out if the imbalance in the bacteria causes the inflammation in the lining of the womb, which causes the miscarriage. There's one thing I did want to also ask is um, when we came to see you, it was after we'd had three miscarriages. And I know that was the NHS advisement to, to for their referral. What's your thoughts on having three miscarriages before you, they, um, there's a referral to trials like you're doing or to Tommy's? So, uh, so, so we're desperately trying to change that. So, um, so we're, trying, we're, we're, we're working on a new care pathway so that, so that even after one miscarriage, you get some treatment because I really want to move away of this ridiculous three miscarriages because it doesn't mean anything scientifically. It's, a, it's an idea that got introduced in the 1950s that unfortunately it's very difficult to get rid of. So we're trying to change it to a system where after one miscarriage, you get some advice because you can have uh, post-traumatic stress disorder after one miscarriage. So after one miscarriage, you get some preconceptual advice about lifestyle and make sure you haven't got any major illness um, and, and, and some uh, signposters to sort of self-help uh, groups. Because obviously, these things can't cost the NHS any money, but all that, is, that hasn't cost the money. Then after two miscarriages, everyone would get a few blood tests. And then after three miscarriages, more blood tests. So we're calling it the graded approach. Okay. Uh, and the idea with that is, is twofold. One is that when people have one miscarriage, they're completely ignored, but also they're not given straightforward lifestyle advice. You know, So we're not doing any proper preconceptual counselling and not getting people as fit as possible for pregnancy, you see. So we're trying to change it so it's not about how many miscarriages you have. It's after every miscarriage, people get some advice as to how to improve their chances next time. But the amount of how far we go increases with the number of miscarriages. So we're going to try and get rid of the term recurrent miscarriage and have a graded approach to miscarriage so everyone who miscarries gets something. That's, that's, that's where we're, we're really fighting for that as a Tommy's team at the moment. I'm not sure about you, but I'm very excited at the thought of official care being updated for all women facing a miscarriage in the UK. If you've listened to episode two of this podcast, you'll know Lee and I have been through the mill a bit with our experiences. We will never know if having official support after one miscarriage would have reduced the others. But the thought that other women don't have to suffer in the same way and it becomes norm that they get support after one miscarriage, well, that can only be a good thing. It's likely I will be coming back to the work at the research centre throughout the podcast. As you can imagine, it's very evolved and moving and changing, so I'll be keeping an eye on any developments, and if I see any, I will try and share them with you. If you were wondering what my results were for my NK cell test, they came back normal. 
I have a letter to share with my GP with recommendations. The letter is full of detail that's really helpful, but a bit mind-boggling. Some lines that make sense are, there was no evidence of heightened inflammation in the lining of the womb during the implantation window. And a line I don't like as much, the recurrent miscarriage phenotype is both striking and relatively rare. The letter provides recommendations for my future treatment if I decide to try again. The treatment involves drugs and we need to have a think if that's something we want to do. I'll keep you posted on that one. This episode was recorded and produced by me in my spare room with a duvet for a sound barrier and a camp table for a desk. A huge thank you, of course, to Professor Quemby for joining me on this episode. Also thanks to Professor Brosens, Thomas, University Hospital Coventry and the nursing team at the centre. If you're going through it right now, please know you're not alone. I'm here if you want to share your story, and if you need support with any of the issues raised in this podcast, there's links to help available on tryingagainpodcast.com. If you've liked this episode, please share it with others or leave a review on your podcast provider. And if you haven't already, remember to subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss an episode. You can wrap your fingers round my thumb.